Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. This episode today, we're going to talk about your dreams, Ryan. My American dream. We grew up poor. Yeah. So when I turned 18, I, I went out and got the the American dream. Yes. Well, I started pursuing it because there was a lot of discontent when we were growing up, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Just a little bit. And I started climbing the corporate ladder. I think I was 22 or 23 when you came aboard the same corporation. Yep. And we wanted to live our American dream together, sort of in parallel, right? Yeah. You know, I didn't really know what the American dream was, but, you know, knowing about the template, it was so nice to have something to, like, shoot for. Like, oh, I I just need to get a house. I need to be able to buy a new car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I need to have, like, literally the picket fence. Yeah. I, I need to have these things. I need to acquire the stuff. And so today we're going to talk about the American dream, uh, what's good about it, mm-hmm. what's not so good about it. We're going to talk about freedom. We're going to talk about travel. Maybe give you a little introduction to minimalism for those of you who are, who are new to the podcast. And... Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the un-American dream as well. And we're going to answer your questions with today's guest. Our good friend Colin Wright is here, whose podcast is called Let's Know Things, and it's available wherever you listen to podcasts. Colin, I need you to stop being more handsome than me right now. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't if he tried. I, I think this is... Uh, Colin is, is the, the perfect guest to have here in the studio because he is, he's the person who... Uh, basically turned us on to minimalism in uh, 2009 2010 yeah. i remember the video you sent me i think you he was in was he in new zealand at the time you might have been so there was this yeah. point where colin you uh, you had left your sort of not corporate gig but but the equivalent of a corporate gig right you you were you were living in los angeles working 100 plus hours a week running a branding studio branding studio yeah yeah very very different time and and not the corporate side of things but the entrepreneurial world has the similar pipeline where it's the the work hard play hard thing and you're told that you're supposed to pursue very specific metrics of success and and, in doing that you realize you were following someone else's template in a way sort of uh, a, a version of the American dream and you know, what's fascinating is you and your girlfriend at the time realized you wanted to go separate ways uh, but amicably and actually really liked each other but had different aspirations in, in life and so you had something called a breakup party and, <laughs> and I, I remember reading about this and how radical this was because in our culture if you break up with someone it's supposed to be you know, uh, one step below violent Right, right. That that that's the expectation. We're supposed to yell at each other. We're supposed to be mad at each other. Things are thrown. Arguments yeah. are had. In fact, your breakup party was was the initial inspiration behind Ryan's packing party. Yes, <laughs> because when you when you <laughs> well, he gave me the idea. I'm like, oh man, if you just put the party yeah. at the end of anything, you make it fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And, and people want to hang out and yeah, have fun with you.
you. And you had an actual breakup party at midnight. You turned your uh, Facebook status to like single. I, I remember yeah, reading yeah. about it was, this. It was very symbolic. And I didn't want your life at all. Like I saw this thing that was <laughs> really aspirational Take because <laughs> you left. You left this uh, y- y- structure that you walked away from, but then you were you became this peripatetic writer where you traveled to a new country every four months, and where you went was voted on by the the readers of your blog, ExileLifestyle.com. And so you were in Iceland and New Zealand and India and South America and all these other places, and I hate traveling. Right. <laughs> and you owned only 52 items, and I'm like, that sucks. I want to own a kitchen table. Yes. And, and the kitchen table wouldn't fit in the bag. No, yeah. no, it doesn't go yeah. in the overhead bin very well. No, no, they hate when you bring the portable kitchen table, kitchen table <laughs> <patent> pending. <laughs> Have you seen when you're at the airport and they're like, "You can't bring these items on a plane." And it's like a weed whacker <laughs> and a kitchen table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that some guy, right? <laughs> some guy, yeah. probably Colin, tried to bring a weed whacker onto a plane as one of his 52 items. You know, it's funny when you sent me that video of Colin uh, where he he just kind of talked about you talked about your minimalist lifestyle. I just remember thinking like the same thing. I'm like, Oh man, I don't want to like travel all the time, but I totally saw how you were able to use minimalism to free yourself of, I don't know, those, those anchors that keep us kind of at bay. Yeah. And and that's the, it's a really vital component of that type of thinking. That philosophy is that you can use it for whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter where, you know, you, you're a minimalist. And now you have to live out of a bag. Right. That was my priority was travel. And so literally anything that I owned above and beyond what I could fit into carry-on luggage Mm -hmm. was something that was weighing me down and keeping me from that thing that was most important. And you guys, thankfully, were able to come into it and say, well, actually, I have other things that are most important to me, and then use it to prioritize your things. I think that was the thing that was often a misconception about people who were, especially in that minimal space, 2009-2010, it was a bunch of single guys who were traveling a lot. And, but that's because the people who wrote about it were single guys who traveled a lot. Who were also in the blogosphere. Like right. it was an early era for the the tech thing too. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have a bunch of podcasts. We didn't have a lot of blogs either. It was still a relatively new thing. And right. so mm-hmm. the people who were already interested in that space, the people with the biggest megaphones essentially, was a very narrow demographic who had very similar interests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it wasn't super representative. And it opened us up to like when I started with you, I'm like, oh, that's cool, but I don't think it's for me. But then... You led me to like Leo Babalta or Courtney Carver and like people who were nor- actual normal people, not <laughs> cyborgs. But we got some questions here I today. Well, uh, I, before we dive, I, just real quick, it's funny. What I saw Colin do is he was like, he mentioned earlier how he wanted to travel. That was a priority. And I looked at my priorities and I'm like, okay, what do I want my number one priority to be? And at the time it was to reclaim some of my time. So minimalism helped me to basically uh, just ask that question, like with what I was doing with all of my resources, my money, my time, my attention, like are those serving this one purpose for you was traveling for me was getting my time back and minimalism just helps you cut out the rest yes indeed all right i'm ready to dive in our first question today is from Corey. Corey is a patreon subscriber from arizona thank you Corey. i know that part of the american dream is to own your own home do you still see owning a home as a worthy goal i've paid off close to a hundred thousand in debt and i'm now debt free and it seems the next step after my emergency fund is to save up for a home I feel that home prices are overvalued since most people go with a 30-year mortgage, and if 30-year mortgages were not an option, home prices would be way cheaper. I also don't enjoy my current work situation enough to be stuck with a mortgage. It gives me a feeling of claustrophobia. 
but I always hear that owning a home long-term is better than renting. Ryan, I, I think the... Uh, depends what he means by long term ultimately yeah. right on a long uh, long term you're going to be dead right on a long <laughs> enough timeline yeah we're all dead yeah so. such a feel-good show <laughs> <laughs> well we like to uplift our listeners yeah <laughs> i i think it really depends on what your objectives are like for colin right now it wouldn't make sense for you to to own a home necessarily although it could you you could rent it out i i own a home back in dayton ohio as, as a rental property and i i rent it out to someone and and that is truly an investment I, I tend not to look at your the home that you live in as an investment so much. Ultimately, it can become an asset for you. But I think we conflate the two. Investments are different from home ownership usually. In fact, home ownership is often not a blessing. It is a burden for you. Right. It absolutely can be. And it can limit you too because then you have your, your resources mm -hmm. tied up in this one asset, which is susceptible to damage, which is something that you have to take care of, that you have to continue to invest in. And it kind of depends too whether you want it as a something that will grow in monetary value or if you're looking at it as a practical asset that you're then able to utilize and get more out of your every moment of every day because mm. if it amplifies the way that you're living your life and you're happier as a consequence that potentially adds more value behind it then it makes a lot more sense because you're actually using it whereas if it's something that's monetary then the the digits in in place and the amount that you're spending make a whole lot more uh, it it feeds into the rationale behind it a whole lot more yeah Corey, first off, congratulations on paying off $100,000 of debt. That is freaking awesome. The one thing that Corey said that stood out to me was he talks about how it seems like this is the logical next step. Mm -hmm. I always hear people say that uh, owning a home is better. So, you know, we often talk about getting, uh, getting behind the why, like really understanding why we want to uh, do anything in our lives, but especially when making major decisions like this. So Corey, the question is, is why do you want to own a home? Is it because you feel like that is the logical next step? Is it because you hear people say that owning a home is better? Uh, or is it because maybe he wants to, you know, plant some roots and he wants to hang out for five to 10 years? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I totally, uh, agree with his point of he is in this job that he doesn't love, that he kind of hates mm -hmm. and having a 30-year mortgage is going to make him feel claustrophobic. It should make him feel claustrophobic. I don't think anyone should, should aspire to have a 30-year mortgage. It's, yeah. We're one of two countries where that is the norm. And in fact, what Chris Hogan, when he was on our podcast, informed us, now they're starting to do 40-year mortgages with, with some banks. And at, at most, if you really wanted to buy a house, uh, you should have at least 20% down. I think ideally 50% down. Mm -hmm. And you should try to do a 15-year mortgage and try to pay it off in seven if you can. Yeah. Or you can save up enough money to eventually pay cash for a property. And then it does become an investment for you because you can rent it out as opposed... Because if you don't actually own the home, then mm -hmm. it's not home ownership. It's mm -hmm. home borrowship until you, you actually own the, the property yourself. And so... I, what I'm hearing here is it's sort of his discontent mm. it, that is I, I, in his question. There's a lot of discontent. I feel like I, I'm aspiring toward, as you said, Ryan, he's aspiring towards someone else's idea of right. the American dream or living the dream. Yeah. But he needs to identify what is his dream. Yeah, buying a home for the sake of, well, I want to put money towards a mortgage rather than you know throw money out the window with rent. 
that is not always the best advice. Right, right. Well, just the opportunity cost in yeah. terms of money, but also in terms of then being stuck in a place. Even if you decide five years from now that you want to be somewhere else, mm-hmm. the opportunity cost is literally everything else that you could be doing with that money, mm-hmm. everything else that you could be doing with the time that you had to invest in that job that you don't particularly like yeah. to get that money. And then all of the other things that you could be doing elsewhere, but you have to stick around because you got so much invested in this asset, yeah. in this one particular location. Yeah. But well, th- let's let's sum it up real quick. What what would be positive about owning a house is yes, you are you do end up owning an asset eventually. Mm-hmm. Usually not if you're on a thirty year mortgage because you you don't end up owning the home. You end up selling it beforehand. It's a shame that that's the it. norm, man. Like that is the thirty year mortgage. Like that is the norm. I mean. I don't know what percentage of home loans or 30-year mortgages, but just because that's the norm or the average, like that doesn't make it right. I mean, you it's know, just become common. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny. Like we always talk about how you know, with this freedom we have in America, comes a great responsibility. And you know, taking on a 30-year mortgage—that's a huge, uh, it's a huge decision, huge responsibility. Another positive is you have control over the space. So if you do want to remodel the kitchen or yeah. something, like the apartment I'm renting here in Los Angeles, I couldn't just, oh, I'm going to remodel the kitchen. First off, it'd be a really bad idea for me to do that because <laughs> I'd be spending my own money to improve someone else's asset. Right. So you would have more control of your space, which is which is great. On the downsides, I can think of a bunch of downsides. The cost is, is, is a downside because we think of like, oh yeah, it's a mortgage payment. It's roughly the same as my rent. Well, you also have to think about property taxes. Yep. And if it's a condo, there are all the HOA fees, mm-hmm. uh, which you have certainly experienced yeah. in the past. Uh, also, things break. Water heaters <laughs> break. Dishwashers break. Yeah. Sometimes there's a crack in the wall or what, something happens in the foundation. Things go wrong with the house. Yeah. And if you rent, then you make a phone call and say, hey, right. something went wrong with this property. That's Come a great, fix it. That's a great point. Like, Corey, think about what the advantages are to not owning a home. Mm. Uh, yes, you can make a phone call and have a water heater replaced without forking out the money to do it yourself. Mm. Or you've got the freedom to pick up and move. I mean, that's... Wh- what does Derek Sivers say? Uh, is he the one that talks about how he pays... Renting is... is- is buying the option to move yeah. whenever you want. Yeah. yeah. So so basically, Corey, I think you have to figure out what is appropriate for you and for your lifestyle. What is your American dream? What What does living the dream look like to you? And you know what I think will help you with that? I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism. It, is, it really outlines the, the five foundational values because we all know this. If you don't know what your values are, then you're really not going to know the direction you want to go to pursue your dream. So Podcast Sean, if you could reach out to Corey and send him a copy of Minimalism, the audiobook version. If you like our podcast, you'll like the audiobook version. Or if you want the book book or the ebook, then we'll be happy to send those to you as well. But I think it's important to know what your values are so you can determine what is appropriate for your life. Yeah. The problem is, is that if you don't know your values, then you start to look at other people and take on their values. Right. And, and they may not be yours. And yeah. all of a sudden you've gone down the wrong path for three years, five years. And you're like, wait a minute. I'm living someone else's ideal of a, right. idea of a perfect life. And the, the right investment for somebody can be the wrong investment for everybody else, essentially. Yeah. You could tweet that podcast, Sean. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We're at The Minimalist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have Colin here. He's at Colin is my name on all the relevant social media platforms. And during the lightning round, Colin, this is where we do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. 
Um, didn't they double that? Guys, uh, <laughs> we didn't. Minimalist. We're real minimalists. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, no, but, but actually what we really do is we just maunder on a bit until we come up with something pithy. Yeah, we yeah. call them minimal maxims, and Sean puts them in the show notes. Take out all the thes and yep. a's and ifs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Sean <laughs> makes it look really beautiful in post. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Social Jess, she puts it on uh, minimalmaxims.com for us as well. So all of our pithy answers are collected in one place. What's our first question, Ryan? Our first question is from Alan. What defines freedom these days from a psychological, physical, financial, and material perspective? What are the key steps to take to begin to realize that sense of freedom while earning enough to provide for family? So what's freedom for you, Colin? It's going to be different for every single person that you ask. Totally agree. For me, what's really important and what I try to invest in, and more so every year, I think, is making sure that I have the option to do the type of work that I care about, to be around the type of people that I want to surround myself with, to have the types of experiences that I want to have. And importantly, and this is something that won't be the same for everybody, but for me, I like being able to invest myself in projects that won't necessarily earn me money. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that you necessarily just get from society right off the bat. It's not something that you're told you're supposed to pursue, but I find that being able to invest myself fully as if it's a job that I'm doing full time to pay the rent, being able to invest myself in that way in stuff that may only pay off in terms of experience, in terms of me getting to see things from a slightly different angle, but won't necessarily pay off in terms of money. And having that, having the option to do these things and to to do all the natural extrapolations of that too, to do it from wherever I happen to want to go, being able to uh, work with the type of people I want to work with, the freedom to kind of recalibrate things and put together different shapes of lifestyle whenever I want that to me is freedom by my standard but but also there's there's a certain discipline involved in that and because i think sometimes we think about freedom as like doing whatever you want whenever you want mm. but that's not real freedom that is tyranny when when my five-year-old daughter if, if i let her do whatever she wants whenever she wants she'd be dead in a week oh, for yeah. sure well, you, you have to keep on building infrastructure and uh-huh. for me the way that i imagine it just visually is it's almost like a, a framework, like a scaffolding. And then within that scaffolding, I can build whatever I want at any point and take it apart and put it back together. But there's a skeleton on it. There's mm-hmm. a, a structure there that keeps things, that, that provides me with a foundation in three dimensions that allows me to build whatever I want. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of the equivalent of preparing yourself for whatever you might want to do in the future rather than preparing yourself for one specific future. Mm-hmm. That's the there, way I tend to think about there's it. There's something there with freedom and discipline because... Like you said, like we feel like freedom is doing whatever we want, but that leads to chaos. Yeah. <laughs> so having to discipline or, or have discipline, have self-discipline or to have, um, to have to force ourselves to do things doesn't really feel like freedom. But that's what but so it, Jocko Willink has a book. So interesting. Discipline equals freedom, right? Yeah. And, and that's ultimately what he's saying there is you have to have that scaffolding. You have to have these sort of structures in place mm-hmm. so that you can do what you want, but within the confines of it, not, it's not always, your life is not a comfortable life, There's Colin. a lot of discomforts, but those yeah. discomforts, I perceive them as valuable frictions. Right. Not everybody would, but I think part of it too, part of being able to have that discipline over time is recognizing one, the difficult things that are not enjoyable are valuable. Mm. And as a consequence, you can take a certain type of pleasure in that, in accomplishing those things. Yeah. But also being able to kind of 
recalibrate your perception of even those frictions and discomforts and saying, this is enjoyable in a way. How novel and unique this uncomfortable experience happens to be. Yeah. Um, that, that stoic mentality that you can't control what happens around you, but you can control your perception of it, how you respond to it. Yeah. There's a lot of that that goes into this, I think. Mm, I'm going to give a pithy answer here. Our freedom corresponds directly with our ability to walk away from anything preach mm. that's one thing i really learned from you colin was your ability to walk away even from situations that are going relatively well or what mm. people would perceive to, to to be going well like it when i was in the corporate world was when i first discovered you and uh you know we've become really good friends since then but what i realized back then is like oh like colin's walking away from stuff that he doesn't hate necessarily. He doesn't wait till something blows up to walk away from it. He's walking towards something else. And during our Patreon episode today, I'm actually going to read from this essay that I wrote a while ago called "The Things We Are Prepared to Walk Away From." And I think often it's, it's perceived to be to be cold at first. Right. Yeah. When you've walked away from things in the past, it's it's actually because you're walking towards something that is increasing your freedom. Yeah, yeah. I, I've actually had a lot of people look at what I have done over the years and say, so what are you running from? Mm. Like the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't caught me yet. What are you uh, talking about? <laughs> no, but, but no, I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, it can look like running away because that's our perception, that right. if you are trying to change dramatically, if you're recalibrating your compass in some dramatic way, well, that probably means that something went totally awry, something mm. blew up behind you and you're trying to escape, when in reality, ideally we're always kind of looking toward other possibilities and other mm -hmm. options. And we're always looking for opportunities to make valuable pivots, whether they're small or very large, mm -hmm. and then preparing ourselves over time so that when we want to make those pivots, we are in the right position, psychologically, financially, everything else, mm -hmm. so that we can do it without it being this crazy risk that might destroy everything and hurt people. Instead, it's something that's just kind of a, a crazy personal risk and a little bit of a, a it's devastating to the status quo mm -hmm. and your expectations and habits, but otherwise, it's something that doesn't cause any harm. It's not devastating yeah. to you individually. I, the thing with the corporate world for me is when I walked away, you really helped me realize like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like I don't, I didn't think I was ever going to you know, do this whole minimalism thing and everything else was, was going to be all this. But I realized like, no, I could just write fiction and make $23,000 a year working at a coffee shop. I was going to be okay. going to be a barista or something. Yeah, that went sideways. <laughs> that was, that was my, my main objective w was to do that. And so when we I got sidetracked. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> totally screwed yeah. up your coffee career. Yeah. I, well, I didn't hate my corporate career either. Like mm. it was a six out of ten for me, but and I was really good at it. And that was actually the problem. It was so hard to walk away from something you're good at and you don't hate. But I also wasn't passionate about it. It wasn't my dream anymore. Yeah, uh, my pithy answer. It's funny uh, when we when Josh and I prepare for this. So we have the the uh, Twitter question, and then we just put down our pithy answers. And I don't look at your answers. Uh -huh because I don't want it to influence my answer. Uh -huh. But I literally wrote something basically along the same lines of like freedom is the ability to walk away from anything. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, here's my second pithy answer, really. Uh, Debt-free is the new American dream. And uh, what I mean by that, Alan, is debt is one of the biggest chains that we, uh, that we chain ourselves with. So if you are currently not debt free, I would encourage you to like take that as the first step to to becoming free. It's one of the better decisions I made before I left LA. It, yeah, it untethers you in yeah. a lot of ways, psychologically and otherwise. Right, because there's no you don't have to force yourself to go to that job you hate. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It takes a it takes a lot of hard work to get there. I don't want to undermine 
how how difficult it is to become debt free, but it's totally possible. But it's an achievable dream. But Absolutely, it requires that discipline and hard work for sure. All right, looks like we got one more question for the lightning round. We do. It is from Aaron. Do you feel like you've met more meaningful people by traveling? If so, how has it affected you compared to before you were traveling? Well, my my quick pithy answer to this one is: our perspectives shape our worldview. Our worldview shapes our lives. And that's the one thing I when we were, we're we're talking to like big crowds of people when we go on tour. You know, there's a joke I often say is like there are three things I hate travel uh, crowds of people and public speaking but it's not that I actually hate those things it's putting myself in an uncomfortable situation Mm -hmm. that isn't actually going to be devastating to me but that's the place from which I grow the most yeah yeah and I think traveling is has enabled you to grow in ways that you you probably didn't anticipate when you first set out to do it full of valuable frictions like just things that test you and push you right beyond what you're comfortable with Uh like that's what I tend to look for it's like going to the gym you don't want to like completely destroy yourself to the point where you injure yourself but you also don't want to do something so easy and familiar that you don't have any gains from it. You want to do something just beyond what you were capable of and comfortable with before. Um, And and that includes meeting people. Like, I don't think that you must travel to meet interesting people and have valuable relationships, but you can't really help but meet a bunch of people who will challenge your your sense of the way that the world works when you travel. So it Mm -hmm. makes it a little bit easier, but you can actually do the same thing. This is something that I wanted to test when I lived in Wichita and Memphis, came back to the U.S. to explore someplace that was more familiar with more familiar tropes and culture. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure I could do some of the same stuff without traveling rapidly. And Anywhere you go, you can do this. It just requires that you put in a little bit more effort if a lot of the structure is already familiar. Yeah. Ryan, finish this off with something pithy. Let me. It looks like you have an edited, <laughs> and I don't have the edited version. Can I read your your edited version of my pithy answer? Sure. Thanks, man. Notes. <laughs> All right, my pithy answer is to live life to the fullest. We must seek different perspectives, no matter how uncomfortable they make us. And, you know, to your point, Colin, like, you have to go out and you have to have your beliefs and your values challenged a little bit. Like I grew up in this bubble of, you know, being a part of Jehovah's witnesses and anyone who challenged anything, I had these walls built up that uh, really prevented me from being happy, honestly. Mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it is, uh, it is, it is truly a a pleasure to be able to travel around and get all different types of perspectives. But yeah, you've got to, you've got to have a diverse, uh, a diverse, I don't know, group of people to, to bounce those values and beliefs off of. Yeah. Well, I don't remember who said it, but strong beliefs lightly held, mm. I think, is a really good policy. Because yeah. then yeah. being open to changing your mind is one of the most intellectually honest things any person can right. do. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're meeting with our friend TK Coleman after this. You and I were talking about this yesterday. He is, he, he steel mans, instead of straw manning an argument, he steel mans both sides of an argument because mm-hmm. he knows, in fact, he'll argue with you even if he has the same belief as you. Mm-hmm. He'll argue against your belief yeah. in order to make his own a bit stronger and I'm getting a wrap up sign from Sean so it looks like we have several more surprise questions to talk about today uh, I want to talk about uh, oh I want to answer some questions here about whether minimalism actually works for poor people that's a question we have mm-hmm. we also have questions about uh, new products that help fulfill the American dream about whether the American dream is still relevant and I want to chat with Colin about his curiosity for everything. He seems to be one of the most curious people I know. Also, I have a bit of a health update for you all as well. I found out I got a really bad E. coli overgrowth when we were in Brazil last um, 
uh, September. And that's that's really what has led to the last six month spiral. I saw you eating bunches of romaine lettuce a couple weeks ago. <laughs> that was <laughs> definitely not it. Uh, I drank some water down in Brazil and I just got some tests back. So we'll talk about that as well on the Maximal episode. Also, Ryan and I had the strangest but oddly fun dmv experience yesterday yeah and we can at least talk about that talk about turning a bad situation into something that where hilarity ensued where i think we almost got kicked out of the dmv (laughs) and if you all want to hear all of that you can listen to this week's maximal episode available exclusively on patreon that's right you are currently listening to our weekly minimal episode but each week ryan and i record an entirely different long form maximal episode on the minimalists private podcast which gives us the private space we need to discuss topics we don't usually discuss in public plus we don't wear pants on that episode (laughs) i mean we only videotape ourselves from the waist up so (laughs) yeah it's it's mainly for us plus patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it a hundred percent advertisement free when you subscribe to the minimalist private podcast on patreon you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app you also get access to our entire back catalog of more than a hundred private podcast episodes find all the details and all the good stuff including an additional long-form podcast episode every week over at the minimalists.com slash support ryan what else you got for us this week being informed is more important than ever so i want to encourage everyone to read more and get informed and now here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners Hello, this is Lari from Brazil, and I would like to share my experience with leaving Facebook. I once had 5,000 Facebook friends because I believed this would bring me more business. It did not. These people were collecting me, like one more pin for the Pinterest board of friends, as was I. So I started to unfriend them one by one, and once I got to only people I actually knew, I still had over 400 friends. There's no way that keeping in touch with 400 people would add value to my life. So I decided to ignore the potential backlash and unfriend until I was down to close friends only. And guess what? There was zero backlash because these people did not actually care about me as much as I did not actually care about them. The next step seemed so obvious to me. All my close friends have my number, so why not limit these interactions to actual conversations and delete Facebook altogether? It's been over a year and I never looked back. Hey guys, so I have been trying to live a more sustainable and ethical life and that is how I came across your podcast. On many episodes and especially the one about clothing, you guys discussed buying things responsibly and suggested a few companies that share your values. I wanted to share how this can be applied not just to things, but also with everyday um, consumable items that obviously you cannot buy secondhand, such as cleaning supplies, beauty, bath and body items, skincare, and many other. Many of the standard companies uh, that you find in stores don't have the most sustainable or ethical practices. Most cleaning or beauty brands use dirty palm oil, others use harsh chemicals, and uh, many other things. So this has led me to discover and support smaller businesses. So for example, I buy natural deodorant, um, lotions, and all my um, bath items from an Etsy shop. There are many out there. I just picked the one closest to me and it's all natural and homemade. I buy my dishwashing and laundry detergent from Drops. That's spelled D-R-O-P-P-S. It gets shipped to my house and you can look on their website about their awesome social and environmental responsibility. 
It is also plastic free. It's just little pods that come in a box. My favorite uh, brand is my toilet paper and paper towel brand. They're called Who Gives a Crap? It is a bit more pricey, but they donate 50% of their profits to building toilets in the third world, in third world countries. Uh, where lack of sewage systems affects health and many children die from this. So it is a great way to help by doing something as simple as, well, wiping your butt. <laughs> Plus, their emails are always funny with the toilet puns and they make uh, reports showing their latest donations and impacts. Those are just a few of my favorite alternatives. There are many more out there if you do your research. So if you can, don't just focus responsible purchasing to clothes and things, but also to everyday things. All right, y'all. Thanks again to Colin Wright for joining us today. Make sure you check out his podcast. It's called Let's Know Things and find him on the web, exilelifestyle.com. You can read any of his uh, 34 books, 35? Somewhere in the neighborhood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's he, lost count. I think he writes a book for every year he's been alive. He's been writing one book a year since he was zero. Oh, my God. The, the early ones are pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> Not my best work. Yeah, check him out, exilelifestyle.com. And real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. Well, sort of. It's uh, one, one person we work with, Jessica Lynn Williams. Some of you know her as Social Jess. She started her own social media business. She, she's helping folks be more intentional with their social media, especially businesses or brands who want to communicate more effectively, aren't worried about, uh, I need to gain 700,000 followers, but how do I effectively communicate with people yeah. uh, in, in a way that adds value to their lives? Quality over quantity. She's really good. Yeah, and she's really helped us add value using our own creations and our own words and photos, but curating in a way. She's really a curator of social <laughs> like, media for she'll us. She'll tweet out something, and it's like, you know, at Ryan Nicodemus, and I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. I am so profound. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is good. <laughs> so if you're interested in getting some help with your social media or you know someone who is, her website is intentional.social is the name of her website. And if you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839, or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, you can sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com, which will also sign you up for our simple Sunday emails each week. And of course, we'll never send you spam because that stuff's gross. For added value this week, David Gray is back. I didn't even know this. Yeah, he just his new album just came out. It's his first album in five years. It's That's called awesome. uh, Gold and a Brass Age. Uh, I think the album is really a, it's like this portrait of ethereal maturity. Mm. He, he's become this mature singer-songwriter who has grown with age. And it, the, the album itself is, it's more sort of laid back than his previous album that I know you really enjoy. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's play you out today with the lead-off track from Gold in a Brass Age. It's called The Sapling. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Gonna lay down in the grass and watch that acorn split into slowly deep root. While the clock upon the wall makes idle boasts and my mind's out.